Welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Beyer. And I am man about town, land foot. And welcome to the program. You are listening live from the Cosmopolitan Home Studios in Woodridge, Illinois, where the crowd is, again, standing room only. Uh, as befitting a podcast with this many downloads over the past week. Yeah, uh, crazy. Welcome to the recap episode. Got a good program for you tonight. We uh, just finished up. Um, well, we didn't. Glenn did, uh, along with his cast of uh, of thousands. Uh, the previews for the Factory Theater's Lane Call. Uh, very successful preview weekend by all accounts. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Lens 90s bracket, which is hidden and also heading into the home stretch. We're going to talk sports, uh, NBA finals, close to wrapping up or perhaps close to yet another historic comeback. We'll see what happens. MLB, uh, we'll talk Guardians, Cubs, and Sox. We'll talk a little WNBA, where Lens Sky Fever continues. We'll uh, also talk I Recommend, where Len and I will recommend something that will make your life a little bit better. Uh, the Diamond listeners, this is always the Diamond listeners' favorite parts of the show. They always take out their notebooks. Faded breath. Yeah, they take notes, and we get lots of faxes uh, saying how our recommendations are not only improving lives, but saving lives. So uh, more to come. Part of their right. weekly routine. Yes. Your life depends on our recommendations. And then finally, we will go over Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time and Len's favorite 500, where uh, Len will um, provide his review uh, and commentary. And Robert Criscow will fax me his own opinion. <laughs> of lens choices so uh let's get right to it let's first of all uh preview weekend uh battle accounts it went very well what are your uh what are your thoughts heading into uh the the big the big opening weekend which happens this friday yeah i'm very excited to see everybody have everyone go see it i wasn't there i was only there saturday friday night i guess they had a nice crowd Everybody was laughing and reacting in all the right places, according to my co-writer and the director of the play, Scott Oaken. Saturday I went. Very fun. It's Good. it's different, though, when you're not in it. Yeah. I just sit there and watch everybody else <laughs> react to stuff. Right. You're watching the crowd. Them, yeah, because uh, Jim and John Kachukas were there. Okay. And my friends Tina and Carlos were there. Nice. I'm like, I told him, I said, I might be staring at you guys. So <laughs> just to see how you react to everything. But it went really well. Happy for the cast. Awesome. I mean, because it's, you know, worked so hard getting ready for it. And then now there's a reward to hear the audience's reaction to it. So what's going to happen this week? Any kind of uh, tinkering or notes or anything? Not really. I think they might have another thing or two to do as for the set but i don't think there's going to be any script changes 
because Beave, my words are just perfect. So, so, uh, <laughs> so I take it my set changes to move it to a roller skating rink were uh, denied. Definitely denied. Hmm. Yeah. Really changed the entire plot to put um, venture on roller skates. Really would have added a new element of danger to the whole show. For those of you who have stopped listening, come on back. <laughs> Fridays and Saturdays at eight. Yes. Sundays at three. This podcast comes out opening night. So right. If you can't make it opening night, Saturday at eight, Sunday at three, bring your father. I'm sure uh, we love adventure. <laughs> Factory Theater is located on Howard Street in Chicago. And for tickets, you go to www.thefactorytheater.com. That's probably the best way to buy your tickets, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, I think okay. so. Okay. Well, uh, standing room only, uh, none other than Richard Roper is trying to get tickets, although... Uh, <laughs> We'll see if he's allowed in. He might still be mad at his portrayal in Cisco Niebuhr's <laughs> by the great Paul Metria. <laughs> writing this to <laughs> impress Lincoln Park Trixies. <laughs> Sorry. Favorite things ever. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yep. Well, it should be a good one. And uh, so if you're listening, come on out and uh, see this fantastic show. Um, and uh tell a friend or five um and uh and yeah six weeks runs for six weeks six weeks friday saturday sunday there's a couple thursdays late in the run too so if you are busy on the weekends come on a thursday night and don't forget my cameo is also coming up i know what is it i, I heard believe, about it i believe it's not uh i believe it's two weeks the second weekend of the run are, is what's being discussed um so, I think I'm on, I'm on vacation then. There will need to be video of that being. Should I move it? Should I move it to when you're uh, back? Try to do it June 30th if you can. June 30th. All right, I'll. Uh, I'll be there. For, I'll be there for sure during June 30th because Dan's in town. He's going to watch it June 30th. I'll, I'll talk to Tim, and okay. uh, uh, we'll uh, basically we'll uh, we'll rejigger that. That could be my final factory appearance on stage. <laughs> can't that. can't miss. We will heavily promote that on Jag Bags <laughs> if that happens. Because it'll be, I don't know if we have a podcast that week, though. We probably don't. But, anyways, should be good. Should maybe be. Maybe we'll good. post it on the Jag Bags page so everyone can come <laughs> to see your cameo. <laughs> Oaken told me what you're doing. So. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm going to wear. I got I to gotta come up with an appropriate uh, costume. So, suggestions welcome. What I need is like I don't think you I think they have one for you. Oh, they do. I'm spoiling it for everyone. Yeah. Oh, great. I won't, I, then I won't. I think they do. I if 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 it sticks with what Oaken told me a couple of days ago, you'll you'll be all set. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Excellent. Uh, that's. I was like, very. I was like worried a jag about bags. That. Jag bags on stage almost. Almost. Yeah. Super close. So. So probably a Jag Bags t-shirt would not be appropriate. <laughs> no. <laughs> Had to try. 
Yeah, but you could come out for curtain call and throw some jag bag shirts out into the crowd. Wait. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right. You tell all the cast, hey, hey, everyone. Guys, I, a celebrity is with me <laughs> tonight. <laughs> I'm, yeah. just, I'm just going to drop your name every 10 seconds. That'll get me far, won't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I will, uh, the youth love me, Beef. I'm with Len. Especially when I call them the youth. <laughs> yes. Yes. They, they've told me that. They uh, yeah. say, I wish Len would call us the youth more. He started a newsletter about me. Oh, the, what's yeah. that called? That's called uh, Ramblings of Greatness. Is that what that's? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so you've read it. Yes, I have. Yes. Uh, it's put aside stuff. your jealousy and have started to read it. No jealousy. No, no jealousy. Yeah. Not for that, at least. There's other things, but not that. <laughs> no. Yep. All right. Anything else on lane call? Nope. Super excited, though. That should be Super great. excited. See this show. See this show. Um, I'll see you opening night. I'll be there Friday great. night. I was supposed to come Saturday for the preview, but our fantastic sound engineer and producer Declan Beyer uh, showed up Friday night and said, um, my girlfriend Carol's graduating to Paul and she got you two tickets. So you have to go. I was like, Oh, all right. That's what I thought happened. Guess we're going to, I saw your post. Guess we're going to DePaul. Be graduation. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think Beef's going to random DePaul graduation. Uh, you know me. I'm always hanging out Wintrest arena. With that, uh, I did see you. You love going to North Park ones, which I always think is weird. There's be even the crowd again. I'm cheering like, everyone on. Well, the go, man graduate. lives for graduations. Love North Park graduation. Those are wild. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's uh, let's <laughs> let's move to the '90s bracket, where yeah. we are now in the Elite Eight. Mm -hmm. Of uh, um, and so the eight left are let's see if I can. So there's you two, Soundgarden, mm -hmm. yep, Jane's Addiction, mm -hmm. uh, Prince, uh, the Cranberries, yeah, Cranberries making a surprise. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm blanking on the on the last three, Nirvana, you're Nirvana, yeah, um, two more. Oh, Alanis Morissette. Mm -hmm. And the last one. Oh, Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. Yep. Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. Oh, did you say Prince? I did. You did say Prince. Yeah. I even uh, I even gave uh, it a little assist because you uh, scolded me for voting for Jane's Addiction, even though they had one 90s album. So, uh, but everyone else is voting for them too. So, a lot of people are voting for Jane's. I don't, I like them. It's not that, but they don't really have much of a resume besides that. I think somebody said he started Lollapalooza then. Like, yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, Elite, yeah. It's a little too far, I think, for them. Um, I think it's more, I think they've just had favorable matchups. Maybe. I don't know. I think they they had a big upset early on. I can't remember what it was though. But the cranberries have had pretty favorable ones. 
Yeah, the clean energy <laughs> Brian Sador wrote, I voted for them every time because I hate who they go up against. Because <laughs> I know he's not I know he's not a cranberries fan. So. That's kind of how I feel. I'm like, well, I'm not, I can't say I'm a huge cranberries fan, but they are certainly better than fill it in. One of my friends, she only votes for the cranberries. That's the only bracket, the only matchup she votes on. So she must be a big cranberries fan. I see your home there. She there's her vote for the cranberries coming out of anyway, cranberries. Yeah, that's great. I'd say so. The, yeah, the cranberries are a surprise. Definitely. And uh, I under I think I underseeded Soundgarden. They should have had a higher seed. I feel that Soundgarden is one of those groups that is more popular today than they were in the '90s for whatever reason. Oh, I think so. I think so. They're good. I have no problem with them. I mean, I was mad that they beat Pearl Jam, but I kind of thought that was going to happen. Yeah. And to be honest, same with Prince. I feel like Prince uh, wasn't necessarily known as a 90s artist, but he's just so beloved today that... He's got a lot of good... I think he's got a lot of good songs in the 90s. I don't... For me, I like... I mean, I like Prince as much as you you do, but... I don't know how strong his albums were, but there's plenty of good songs. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind him going this far because he's he's got enough good stuff. It's just a weird decade, but yeah, it could be three out of four final four grunge people, which is kind of how it should be because grunge was gigantic. Definitely. And I don't think we have enough people that were fans of rap. So that's why none of I mean, there's a couple of them did okay. Yeah, a lot of the hip hop acts, they uh, they made it to the Sweet Sixteen and no further. Mm-hmm. I think what Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. made it. There. Yeah, they won a couple rounds, so they did okay. I think they made it to the Sweet Sixteen, right? Or no, just the three. yeah, I I think so. I uh, think yeah, Tupac definitely because he lost. He just lost to he lost to Jane's Addiction. That one I was like, come on. that's an upset. Yeah, that's definitely an upset. Yeah, um, but I'm guessing Nirvana wins. You think Nirvana's going to win the whole thing? Yeah, Soundgarden's having a, Soundgarden's having a struggle with you too right now, so right. they might they might be out. Could be. Um, I mean, you two had a good, really good decade. They did '90s. I mean, one of my friends said a couple of albums were flops. I'm like, yeah, but they were good albums. So, you know what? Uh, uh, our friend Bruce Hollett said, you know, uh, it didn't occur to him until uh, the other day where he said, you know, who had a good 90s run was Bob Dylan. He had some pretty good 90s. Albums. What did he have in the 90s? Uh, he had Time Out of Mind, which is really good. It is good. He had uh, Under a Blood Red Sky, which is pretty good. And uh, anyway, I, I totally forgot about Bob Dylan. In the it's, it's hard because to do it, it's a lot of work to do anyways. You Google and you Google and you Google. And I never saw Dylan on any list. I didn't see him on best artists of the 90s. Obviously not best selling because I don't think those albums did that great. Yeah. So he I mean, didn't. Yeah, even they did up. well with critics, but yeah, you're right. Not He didn't even come up, but I would have, I would have put him in over some of the higher ones that I put like the fodder for the <laughs> early rounds. I could have put Dylan in there. It did not even occur to me when we were talking, yeah. and, and I'm I'm talking about Pantera 
and uh, I'm talking about System of a Down, and I totally forgot about Bob Dylan. I saw a kid with a System of a Down shirt today, and I, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I could have put that in, I guess. It's just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. Do you know anyone who's a System of a Down fan? I know Declan is, but that's the only one. Anyone that we know? No. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think it. I don't think they would have won anything, anyways. Correct. If it was a I group, a group or a solo artist that I thought would have won around, then I feel bad because I'm like, well, they would have maybe got one, right? Dylan maybe, Dylan maybe would have won one depending on who he. Again, a lot of it's the matchups too. Exactly. Because I don't match them up by who I think <laughs> who I want to win, or because I would have kept Soundgarden on a Pearl Jam's bracket then. <laughs> Once I saw that, I was like, oh, no. Right. I don't know. And I think Val is calling people and threatening them if they don't vote for Soundgarden. So. Uh, Val is absolutely. Uh, I'm, You know what? 90s, I'm getting a lot of uh, grief for my voting. Um, <laughs> more so than any other bracket. Really? <laughs> I've been threatened with physical violence. Uh our friend uh, Kirk Pinchon, friend of the podcast, threatened to fly out to Chicago and punch me in the nether regions if I did not vote for Kenny G. <laughs> Didn't help, though. I was like, well, who's he up against? And uh, he uh, replied back in all caps, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, a lot of passion. A lot of passion in the 90s brackets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so, so different. Agreed. Well, I think you're right. I think Nirvana probably now, by now, has the best chance of winning. And, and Prince, I'm, I, I know this sounds weird, but Prince might have an outside shot as well. Trying to, let me look at, real quick at the matchup. That would happen. All right, so Soundgarden, you two would be close, right? So it would either be either one of them. I think loses the Nirvana, right? The other side, that yeah, Prince would. It could be Prince of Stone Temple Pilots. Prince is a shot in that one, but I don't think Prince would beat Nirvana. Yeah, I think Nirvana would beat Prince. I agree with you. But we'll find, we'll talk about it next week. Yes, we will. Um, okay. Anything else on the '90s bracket? No. So baseball. I know. I just read the paper. I was happy to see the Guardians shut out the hated Astros yesterday. So that was good. Yeah, I have a fax from uh, Terry Francona, um, and uh, he wrote me. And he said, um, dear Beav, uh, hope you got the chewing tobacco I sent you. Um, it was a good vintage and I kept most of it for myself, but I know how you love to uh, also get my favorite brand of skull. Uh, so thanks. Well, to you, you. Do, you do chaw though, right? Where you mix the gum with t- tobacco. Uh, you know, Tito's old. He's been in and out of the hospital. So, you know, I, you know thanks a lot for the chaw. Uh, I, I uh, you got your spittoon. I see. I do. Um, when I'm talking, you're spitting into the 
You're spitting into your spittoon. Uh, I try to limit it during the podcast out of respect for the diamond listeners. No one wants to see that uh, spittoon. Um, but uh, he also said, uh, tell Len, thanks for the suggestion of going on a big winning streak to get back into the race. I thought that was a great idea. Mentioned to the guys, they went for it too. And uh, so we're now one and a half out of first place. Nice. So, Ellen, thanks for the great ideas and keep them coming. Signed, Terry Francona. So well done. I don't like this undue influence you're having. Oh, also, P.S. Ben Zobris cheats. So he's also probably a little. Oh, that's not nice. Still not over the 2016. Is he going to take a red eye to come see Lane Call when the Guardians have a day off? I'll ask him. I'm sure he'll show up. Yeah, I think so. I'm sure he'll show up. Tell him no tobacco in the theater, though. Mm, I will. I will. Um, yeah, Bieber was tremendous. And although the Astros were missing a few of their key guys, specifically Jordan Alvarez, um, you know, the, a series win is a series win. The Friday night game was incredible. That was their best game of the year because the Astros held the lead five different times. The Guardians came back to tie it on five different occasions uh, and finally won it in the 14th. Awesome game. So taking two out of three from Houston is big. They took two out of three from the Red Sox and they took the last two of their four games set with Minnesota. So that's six out of eight. So now they're the, they're game and a half back and now they're flying out. They're, they got the Padres starting tomorrow and then uh, on to Arizona, Arizona. Like I didn't realize they're in first place. Are they? NL West. Yeah. Well, I know the, the Dodgers had a bad losing streak, right? I haven't really looked at the standings lately. I did look at them just for the three teams we talked about today. Mm-hmm. And we're all still somehow in it, yeah. despite the struggles. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The big thing are the bats have come alive for the Guardians, so that's a good sign. Uh, and m- last thing on the Guardians is Ramirez hit three home runs against Boston. I think that was Wednesday night. Anyway. Uh, hit two home runs, and in the sixth, uh, the Red Sox were down to some their emergency starter, and he only lasted a few innings. And then they bring in, guess who? Corey Kluber. Mm-hmm. And Kluber, I think that guy's on his last legs because he, in the sixth, he gives up Ramirez's third home run. He then gives up eight consecutive hits. <laughs> and that curveball was doing he was throwing batting practice i felt terrible for him and because cora the red sox manager was like sorry buddy <laughs> you are on your own you've got to uh and so ramirez came up again second time in the end with a chance to hit his fourth home run and i was like oh my god they're gonna let kluber pitch to him and kluber struck him out Ramirez swung at two pitches in the dirt. He was over anxious. Yeah. So uh, tough way. 
I felt like that was Kluber's last, if not his last, probably one of his last, because he just had he had nothing left. Mm. Bad way to go. They did give him a standing O as he left. Um, yeah. So that was classy. Um, yeah, I mean, you, got, you have to. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, the, the offense is trending in the, in the right direction for sure. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the Cubs and Kyle Hendricks. Yes, definitely the highlight of the rising again. And I had no idea because I was out. Yeah. And I got home like, oh yeah, let me check. People are posting about Hendricks. I'm like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Sad I missed it. And like nobody's throwing a no hitter this year, and he came the closest. I got a text from uh, our uh, our sound engineer again, who was constantly surprising me. He said Hendricks has a no hitter going. Uh, uh, so I was like, so uh, good to see, and it's a good, you know, there's something to be said for a veteran, a Cub veteran that can stabilize that rotation. And obviously still knows how to pitch. Um, obviously, you know, is still a guy that's capable of, of um, giving you quality innings and that can really have an effect on a staff. Oh, the yeah. ent- entire rotation. They had a bad three games before. And then this is why it's so frustrating that team. Cause they'll do that and they'll come, they play the giants or they're having a decent year in San Francisco and they win two out of three. Right. So they have the talent. They're just, there's just something not quite clicking. It's not like they're overmatched by these teams they lose to. Right. So I feel like the bullpen is still an issue. It is. It is. I think if they could correct that, they'd really be in pretty good. And somebody has to start hitting homers. They they need that power bat. We don't. They're just not like Hap and Suzuki, Swanson, all those guys. They need to get a couple out of the park once in a while. Yeah. You can't have a whole team of two guys who are hitting two sixty and hitting doubles, but nothing else. Right. It's it's again. It's like the three hits to get a run. Right, right. Got to clear the bases sometimes. What do you make of uh, Mervis? I haven't watched a lot of Cubs lately. From what I heard, he's hitting the ball hard. He's just not. He's not being lucky. So it's not like he's his average is terrible because he's swinging at bad pitches and he's striking out a lot. He's just hitting it right to people. So that could turn around quickly if they start falling. Yeah. That's that's what I heard. As long as he keeps his head. Yeah. I mean, you get, that's the top, that's the struggle, especially when you're young, I think, the mental part. Right. Like, when is one of these going to fall in for me? Stick with it. It's obviously working. If, as long as you're hitting the ball hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. What do you make of – oh, I, there's another one I want. Oh, what do you make of Stroman? Um, Stroman's been great. Yeah. But they're being they're being weird with him now because he wants an extension, and they're like, "Well, we'll see," because 
I think if they're if they bottom out, they're going to trade them. Right. But if they're still contending, then they might go, okay, let's sign him to an extension. But he's been great. So, do you think the Pirates are for real? I can't tell. I think, I mean, it's almost July. Yeah. And that's usually like the cutoff point, and they're competing. So, I think they'll be at least competitive. I don't know if they'll come in first, but they're not going to be an easy team to beat if you're because that's a that's a good enough sample size where mm-hmm. I th- I don't think they're gonna have like a long losing streak or anything. I don't think I think the Cubs or the Brewers or even the Reds could maybe catch them. The Reds are—they're not, uh, not going to be the Pirates you normally think of. Right. The Reds are much improved. The car—I can't believe the Cardinals keep losing. I know. I, I wasn't really—I didn't really think about them until you started talking about baseball, and I'm like, are they still? I was—it just came to my head. Are they still blaming Contreras? <laughs> <laughs> Contreras is like—is got to be like in the back of his mind, like you got to be kidding me. Uh, yeah, they they never they they're pretty consistent, and they're yeah. in the last. That never happens. I I'm not familiar enough to know like what the issue like you know are they not hitting? Is the you know is the pitching bad? I don't know anything, and I try not to really follow them. <laughs> I definitely don't think their hitting is as strong. Right. They're not hitting their pitching, so that might be the issue. Could be. I'll have it's, to, it's very good, whatever it is. I'll have to follow Cardinals Barstool Sports and hold my nose while I read. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask Dan. I'll ask Dan what the problem is. Yeah. What about, uh, boy, the Sox? I don't know if you saw the Sox complete meltdown against the Marlins. Yeah, and they were, they had a nice streak going. Yeah. And they had two awful losses in a row, two bullpen disasters, and then Hendricks is now on the injured list. Right. That's not good. Because they were they were getting some momentum going. And they're I, another team. It's like a guy like Anderson, who's yeah. another guy who's always consistently good. He's He doesn't even have a homer this year. Our uh, White Sox correspondent, Bruce Hollett, uh, doesn't think that he's fully healthy. That's his opinion. Anderson? Yeah. Sometimes that's what it is. Uh, he thinks he's not a hundred percent. He says you can just tell. Um, and I said, "Oh, really? Can you just tell, Mister?" <laughs> uh... Oh, I didn't realize, Jerome Holtzman, that you are able to. <laughs> Jerome Holtzman. <laughs> Jerome Holtzman. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, they had, they had a winning record in May for the for the month. They finished above five hundred just from. May 1 to May 31st. So people were like, yeah. oh, they kind of turned it around because April was such a cluster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who knows? But they're, I, I feel like it's, it, they're just like the Cubs too. They have these times where they look pretty good and then they take, they take a step back. Yeah. But, it's you know, still plenty a of lot time. of seasons, a lot of seasons. So, yeah. The twins are awful. 
And they're like one game over, right? 500, I think. I think they are now at 500. <laughs> I think they are officially at 500. I don't know if that, I don't think that's ever happened where a division winner won under 500. Oh, they'll take such a I beat. think a team was like was 82 and 80 one year and won the division. Yeah, you might be right. Also, the Tigers have just the bottom has fallen out for them. Yeah. They've lost nine in a row. <laughs> That's brutal. That is brutal. Um, anything else on MLB? No, that's all I have. Should we talk? Should we talk WNBA or should we talk the NBA? Well, let's talk NBA because you know. Let's look. Let's look what's going on right now. Yeah, uh, it's Miami's uh, up nine, right? With almost at halftime. Almost at halftime. So that's interesting. Uh, what has been your take on? The finals thus far other than it just looks like Denver's just too much for them it is and Murray and Jokic are the two best players right now yeah they really are Jimmy Butler's doing okay but he's not playing as great as he did in earlier series no and I think the most impressive thing is the Nuggets didn't lose their confidence after losing game two. Agreed. They just came out guns blazing in games three and four, and they won game four with Jokic in foul trouble. Right. And Aaron Gordon playing great. Playing terrific. Yeah. But there's still a back in the back of your head. You're still thinking the heat, though. (laughs) You got to finish this. Don't give them super super resilient. Yeah. Don't give them even the slightest bit of hope. Yeah. I don't know if we'll see if Hero is playing. He has not yet entered the game, according to he hasn't. Oh, okay. No. Uh Murray has not been as good as he has, you know, uh previously, it looks like. He only has four points. And they might be keying on him again because that worked in game two. Right. I think game two, they just were swarming him and the other Nuggets didn't play well enough. Yeah, you see, this might might be a game for Michael Porter Jr. to get going again. Porter's been okay. Uh, Porter's been okay, and Gordon has also been quiet. So, no, Gordon played great last game. But I'm talking about in the first half. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not doing very much. Yeah. So, be interesting. uh, Just going back to the baseball. The worst division winner was the Padres, 2005. They were 82 and 80. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wonder, well, you got to think that, well, hard to know what's going to happen this year. Um, they'll, they'll be, they're already screaming because everybody in the East, in the AL East is 500 or better. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone in the AL Central is 500 or worse. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be some complaints when the Sox make the playoffs and their record is 75 and 87. That's well, right. That's just how it is. I, change the rules then. 
as long as the Yankees don't make it, I'm I'm all for it. You know, they might go, you know, like an NBA that the NBA gradually, like, even though they still have divisions, nobody really pays attention to the divisions anymore. It's they they started to gradually kind of move to and you wonder if uh they might do that. Of course, you know, the division what the NBA doesn't have is that the division winners, it hasn't, I guess it just hasn't been an issue yet, has it? No, they don't. They seed it. They seed it by records mm-hmm. um, in the NBA. So you wonder if MLB will go to that. Yeah, because if there's no unbalanced schedule, if you're not playing your division all the time, you're playing everybody around the same amount of times, there's no point to having divisions. You should yeah. do it that way. I agree. And, you know, I, I, they unless still- the Yankees get involved, then. Whatever keeps them out. And the Cardinals. Whatever is worst for the Yankees and the Cardinals, I'm in favor of. Yeah. Uh, do you think the – here's my question for uh, – my I had one NBA question for you. Do you think these finals are have been boring? No. Me neither. Hmm. I think it's been a great playoffs. It's been really fun to watch Jokic and Murray. Mm-hmm kind of play off each other they're real they just have that great you know connection yeah and i again gotta give the heat credit their resilience and just they're out they've been outmatched every series i think absolutely they still are winning gotta give them all the credit they've beaten the number one seed and the number two seed and the number five seed, one, two, five. And now they're playing another number one seed. They're, they're playing the two best teams with, with the regular season in both conferences. Yep. So if they win, if they pull a LeBron and come back from 3-1, you could say that's one of the tougher title runs of all time. It'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. As an eight seed. Yeah, I, I... Incredible. I, I almost think they, they're not getting enough attention for this. Yeah, it's pretty – without uh, – you know, with Jimmy Butler, who has been getting a lot more attention this year, but he's not the first – you never see him on, you know, MVP voting or, you yeah. know uh, – Well, there was an art- article about him, and it kind of implied that he didn't care that much about the regular season. <laughs> He does sit out a good amount in regular season. Yeah. I guess as long as you make the playoffs, right? Got to make the playoffs first, and then anything can happen. But, they, you know, that's dangerous, though, because they barely made the playoffs. They were – they had a big – how much – they were down how much to the Bulls with not much in the fourth quarter? I don't know, but you don't want to not give it your all in the regular season and you only make it in as a play-in, and then you got one game – it's tough. It's like a coin flip. Anything can whether, happen. Whether you move on or not, yeah. Right. You can't decide. You're all of a sudden going to start playing hard because yeah. it matters. I mean, that works for you against, uh, you know, guys like Wayne and Eric Schnabel. <laughs> you, just you know what? It's time. It's Len time. The Payne brothers. Right. Time. Uh, <laughs> I describe it differently. Like some days I wake up on Monday and I have Wayne Payne. 
Some days I have schnabel pain. Not not fun covering the post, either one of them. Pick your poison. Those guys are they play rough. Yep. Um <laughs> Uh, should we, we love giving you insight into Queen of Angels pick up basketball every week? I, you know, it's uh, there's so many parallels, and uh, I feel it's my duty <laughs> to pick them out. Speaking of uh, parallels, should we hit now? One thing I, I has slipped off, it has slipped off my radar, is the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been going on with the sky? James Wade is. Uh, threatening to um, reach right through that window off his ladder and uh, throw me to the ground for not knowing their record. Well, they're they're five and five now. Oh, they lost two in a row. They lost to L.A. They were in that game. If you look at the box score, you're like, oh, they got killed. They lost by like 15, but with like two minutes left, they're down four. Ooh. And then the sky just uh, the sparks just kind of threw in some threes at the end, but that was they didn't they played fairly well in that game. Mm. And yesterday they played the Aces, who are the best team in the league, and the Aces just kind of blew them out. It was so funny, Jeff Van Gundy. Did you hear Van Gundy on the NBA during one of the finals games? He goes, "The Aces could conceivably run the table and never lose a single WNBA game. That's how good they are." And he was they right- lost. No, they lost to Connecticut. Yeah, I mean they're just loaded. The Liberty could beat them, but I, I it it's hard to bet against the Aces because they pass the ball. They have four number one picks on their team. Right. I the, mean, uh, Candace Parker is a role player on their team. It's crazy. But watching them play yesterday, I'm like, they're. Doesn't seem to be a lot of ego going on. That's all. All their shots for the most part were good ones. A lot of a lot of layups, and I'm like, I was like, this, they're gonna be hard to beat. That's a, that's a sign of a well coached team. The difference between them and the Liberty is, Candace Parker's their only new player. The Liberty's still got to get used to Brianna Stewart, Vandersloot, and Jacqueline Jones, or Jacqueline Jones, I think. So it's going to take them longer to peak. So maybe by the time of playoffs, the Liberty will, be, will look better. Because the Liberty, they could, they almost lost to the Sky twice. Right. They won the, or their one game by a point. But I'm, I'm interested to see how much they gel in like 10 or 15 more games. And uh, what about the Connecticut Sun? What's your take on them? I haven't seen them play yet this year, but I know they're going to be tough because Alyssa Thomas is really good. Bonner hit, I think, I don't know who they played, but Bonner scored 41 points. I don't know if that was against the Aces. So and I know they beat the Aces by 17. I mean, it might they, have been that game then. It might have been that game. She just went crazy. Beat the hell out of them. Yeah. So yeah. They'll, be, they'll be tough. I, I still think the Aces by far are the best. And then probably the Liberty in Connecticut and, and everyone else is, I mean, hopefully this, this guy get a couple wins this week. They play Indiana who they beat in overtime. Right. Their first game against them. Hopefully they play better against them this time. Right. 
and I'm not sure where they play after that, but it, it was tough going to West Coast. LA yeah. is kind of the same team, team as the Sky, and again, it was a close game, so but it was in LA, and then the Aces game, I didn't expect them to win anyways. Right. But hopefully they uh, – oh, they play They play Washington. Yeah. They're pretty got, good team. They're a pretty they, good team. They've got back-to-back against Washington. Then yeah, that, that, those are going to be tough because that's a good team. Then Connecticut and then back-to-back against L.A. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's not an easy schedule. It's tough. Yeah. But that's interesting that both those L.A. games are in Chicago. Yeah, it's I think it's just because they're scheduling WNBA. They they have to do weird things like that because they probably don't get the priority that like an NBA team would. I left notes all over Wintrust Arena because I was there for the DePaul graduation. I left notes all over for uh, for James Wade. Um, do, you, do you get points for going to all these college graduations? <laughs> Do you leaves uh, here again for this time for Loyola? So <laughs> I went to the UIC, um, <laughs> made up a special T-shirt with your face on it. Was nice. admitted everywhere. Admitted Northeastern, Northwestern, yep. uh, Wright, Wright Junior College. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you go any further, or is it just the locals? Uh, Kendall College for the cooking. That's the culinary oh, yeah. school. Uh, oh, yeah. I did see a YouTube video of you waving to people who were like, who is that? <laughs> the lasagna was tremendous. At the Kendall. <laughs> really good. Uh, <laughs> uh, That's why you retired from basketball to further your attendance of graduation. <laughs> I have heard tremendous speeches and also uh, received many compliments for my applause for all the PhD uh, candidates <laughs> and uh, um, have complimented them on their robe choices as well. Lots of great robes and tassels. Um, anyway, uh, if you need a graduation, uh, just anyone to just go, if you need me to come to your graduation, uh, drop me a line on the Dag Bags uh, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page, and I will be there for a reasonable fee. All right, enough of this. Let's uh, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, should we? Your I recommend. All right, here we go. Well, I got an I recommend for you. Mm-hmm. So you know that I love old movies. And I watched a movie that I had not seen in a long time. And it was, it's now you can watch it on HBO Max, or should I say Max? Um, and I was like, ooh, I haven't seen this in a while. And uh, so I'll watch it. And it was, I had, when I'd seen it before, I was like, eh, whatever. But this time I enjoyed it just tremendously. And the movie is called The Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. And and that movie, of course, is um, it was nominated for three Academy Awards, didn't win any. Um, it it's uh, part of Roger Ebert when Roger Ebert did his series, you know, the great movies. That was like a major part of it. It's on all the lists. AFI, you know, greatest 100 movies of all time. Pretty much any major movie list. This movie appears on it um, because it basically is credited as like 
the very first film noir movie and kind of the whole set all the private detective and all the tropes that you see kind of started with this movie. And it also launched the career of Humphrey Bogart. Bogart was, I mean, he was like pretty well-known character actor, but he wasn't thought of as a star. And this really launched his career. Um, he was not nominated for best actor and uh, stupid Laurence Olivier and his stupid Oscars. <laughs> um, and uh, it was written and directed uh, in his movie debut uh, by John Huston. And um, so Bogart wasn't even the first choice for the role of Sam Spade. Um, there were, he was like the third or fourth and people kept passing on it because nobody knew who John Huston was and they just, you know, they just didn't want to take a chance with the first time director. And um, so the movie was nominated for best picture um, and also best adapted screenplay because it's based on the very famous novel uh, of the same name by Dashiell Hammett. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Houston was nominated for best adapted screenplay. He, he lost and the Maltese Falcon lost to stupid Olivier and, and Rebecca. <laughs> um, but it, I just, I really enjoyed it because I felt like I had, uh, I'm reading this book about um, it's called the, uh, the long goodbye. And it's about the making of Chinatown. And yep. uh, so I'd watched, so I'd watched Chinatown a couple times because this book's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And and John Houston's in that. Houston, of course, had thoughts about noir and this movie. And um, so and I was like, well, I'll just watch it again. And the dialogue is really crisp. Um, the plot I felt is sometimes a little convoluted in places, but the acting is really terrific. Peter Laurie, so sniveling. <laughs> Uh, Sydney Greenstreet, who has the best name ever. He was nominated <laughs> Best Supporting Actor, and he too was making his film debut at age 61. He was a stage actor. Um, really? Wow. And, uh, and, he, uh, and he was like the fat man. So um, it also has become a movie trope. Um, but uh, everyone's performance is terrific. Mary Astor as the femme fatale. She's great. Um, and uh, it's just, it's, it's, and Alicia Cook Jr., who, uh, if you Google Alicia, L E L I S H A, he's had a weird but really good career as just these, he's always in these film noir movies and he's always playing interesting, um, he's always got interesting uh, roles. And, uh, so it's it's just very well um, it's very well paced, and the last thing I'll say about uh, the movie is that the the statue in question, the Maltese Falcon itself, was recently auctioned um, at a private auction and sold for four million dollars. Just a stupid movie prop. Wow! So kind of like life imitating art, um, and. Um, a lot of if, if when you watch it, I think it I think it holds up and you're like, oh, I've seen that before. Um, but this movie was pretty much the first to do it. So the Maltese Falcon, Humphrey Bogart, John Houston, Peter Laurie, 
Totally recommend it. That is my I recommend. My I recommend, which will hopefully will get us as many free items as when I recommended the peanuts, uh, the planters, bold and savory. Uh, this is, I was trying to figure out what I recommend for the week, and we were sitting here in our think tank. In the Jagbags think tank? And Ron Ron brought me a Coke move. <laughs> and I opened it up, I'm like, Ron Ron, thank you. What is a Coke move? It's kind of like a coconut Coke. Really? Really good. Huh. Yeah. Is the packaging, is it like a red can or is it like different? It's, it, it's like, a, yeah, it's like a Coke. It's like, I think it's, it might even be pink. Pink. Not like a, not like a bright pink, more of a pinkish red. Hmm. It says Coke Move on it. Coke Move. I didn't even notice that. And Ron Ron's like, it's even better over ice. And he poured me a tall glass. Ron Ron, so sophisticated. <laughs> you know, I'm really Ron to Ron, you have eased my thirst and given me an I recommend for the week. Thank you, Ron Ron. So yeah. soon me and B will be snacking on old and savory peanuts and drinking Coke moves every podcast. I have faxed Ron Ron and demanded that he ask you for a raise. And I hope you will get <laughs> He's an intern. I all the more reason. Um, you don't want those poachers swooping in with uh, their unsavory demands and promises of instant, uh, you need to hold on to guys like Ron. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't want, uh, Andy Avalos and, uh, unscrupulous, uh, um, his unscrupulous associates to, uh, to uh, come by. Anyway, word to the wise. Um, Noted. Len seems unworried. <laughs> Let's move on to Rolling Stones. <laughs> Top 500 albums of all time, where I am getting close to getting out of the triple digits. It won't be long. Yeah, amazing. I think 2025 is in sight for finishing this list. You're in a good groove, Bees. Album number 119, and this, I'm going to take a lot of grief. This is one of those takes I'll have where people are like, you're nuts, but I am going to stand by it. Um, uh, is it the album is Sly and the Family Stone, and the uh, it's called Stand, and um, it's, it's best known for uh, everyday people. Mm -hmm. and I Want to Take You Higher, which is my favorite. That's a great song. That's my favorite Sly and oh the Family gosh. Stone. When they uh, do that Woodstock, amazing. Incredible. Yeah. I, I think 119 is way too low. I think this is like a top 50, top 40 album of all time. I just think this is so good. And I think it's so good because it really – it incorporates pretty much all it sounds that it possibly could. It's, it's rock, it's R and B it's um, psychedelia, it's pop. It's so much, it's so influential. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it influenced so many acts that came after 
slam the family stone. And it looked like he was just going to like, you know, it, instead it was the beginning of the end. It was, this was, people thought it was the beginning for him. And instead it was sort of the end um, in terms, he just burned out, but this album is tremendous, just tremendous. And uh, I think this is 119. I think this is way too low. Uh, uh, now the next album, you're going to be like, what this album does not belong in the top 500. <laughs> and that album is hotel California by the Eagles. Um, yes, it, um, it was their biggest selling, uh, album. I believe hotel California is their biggest selling album, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, it's got the title track, which is been played to death. I can't stand it. And Life in the Fast Lane, which uh, a title that Glenn Fry got from his cocaine dealer as they were riding down the Arizona highway going about 100 miles an hour. And his cocaine dealer said, oh, Life in the Fast Lane, huh? And Glenn Fry's like, yeah, man, great title for a song. Despicable. Uh, I can't stand uh, this album, and it does not. Help. <laughs> I, I think New Kid in Town is a great song. That's the one I like. But I hate Hotel California, so I I will not object to you. Oh, good. <laughs> Enjoy, Beeb. Thank you. Uh, One seventeen. Kanye West. Late registration. I I hate to say it uh, because of how far he's fallen, but this is an amazing, amazing, amazing album. It's, you know, when I heard the college dropout, I was like, God, that's great. It really combines kind of like pop music and hip hop. And the lyrics are really interesting. I just thought, wow, what a debut. And late registration is even better. Just think, you know, he just took it to a new level. And I mean, I've said it before, whenever Kanye West comes up, you know, you hope he can bounce back from whatever demons are, you know, plaguing him. Mm -hmm. um, and no matter if he never makes another album again, he'll <clears throat> be known as the guy that changed hip hop twice. And, um, you know, hopefully that will be his legacy and not all the crazy, crazy stuff that happened afterwards. But if you are out there and you've never heard, late registration um get it i mean it's really um you know the uh you know he's he's really bringing in um a lot of uh different type of production techniques um a lot of um you know it's it's like a, it's a concept album and it's just really uh just all kinds of like inventive things that nobody else was doing um, and this album is nearly 20 years old, which is crazy. I think it still sounds as fresh today as it did <laughs> back then. And I really didn't discover these albums until like, you know, a few years ago. And mm -hmm. uh, when this came out, I really wasn't paying too much attention, which is too bad because these are great records. You know, those are his first few albums are incredible. So if you haven't listened to Late Registration, do it. Let's skip the skits. The skits, I agree. I agree. You can skip the skits. For, yes, agree. 
What's your take on on late registration? No, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, all right. 116. There's no way that disintegration by the cure is better than late registration by Kanye West. And I loved this album. I I listened to it a lot in college. I thought it was their best album. The Cure were just here. Yeah, um, I didn't realize that. Neither did I. And all of a sudden, uh, I saw all these posts about it. Yeah, yeah, me too. But they're coming back again for Riot Fest. So um, in September. Mm. And, uh, so I'll see them then. Um, but uh, I... I think disintegration, I think this is too high. I don't think this is. Um, and again, I I listened to this album quite a bit, especially my junior year, because my roommate, Kevin Stern, had this album and it was big at the time. And we he listened to it all the time. And then pretty soon I was listening to it. You know, I'd come in when he'd be gone and I'd throw it on. And um, it's got Fascination Street. Pictures of you. Um, Pictures of you. Uh, love song. It's got the final track, Untitled, which is really good. Uh, plain song, which I think is the beginning. Whatever the first track is, I think that's plain song. And that's like, mm. you know, very kind of like sprawling and kind yeah. of uh, really sonically beautiful. Mm. Uh, uh, and kind of different, like the cure used to be kind of like almost punky, you know, lean and spare kind of instrumentation. And here it's like big, heavy production techniques. And, um, so it's different and some called it a little bloated and sure, sure. It's bloated, but it's still very beautiful. It's their best album. I think it, I would put it like at the one nineties, two hundreds, I think one sixteen is a little too high. There are a lot of albums that came before it that I think are better. Um, and I, that's not to slight the cure. And this album sold like gajillions of copies. And I'm sure Kevin Stern, if he's listening, is going to be like, be you idiot. <laughs> Forgive me, Kevin. Um, and uh, number 499 on mine. 499, yeah. And the one I do. I think I remember, and I think it should. I think it's higher than four ninety nine, but not as high as one sixteen. Um, and then one fifteen, uh, Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City. There's no way this album is better than Late Registration. I just no way. Um. It, the, I want to say I like this album. I really have no problem with it in the top 500, but I would put it like three or 400. Um, and it's, you know, it is a concept album. Uh, so, you know, which again, uh, you know, nothing new there. His, his raps are really good. He paints really interesting pictures. Um, but uh, I, uh, I I I just I think it's fine, but I don't think it's this important. Kendrick Lamar is like seen as like one of the most important figures of hip hop and rap in the last twenty five years, and I don't know. I I think it just goes over my head. 
I, I just don't see it. But um, the the world the, the world hangs on my hip hop. Uh, <laughs> it does. So I'm sure that this will cause a major yeah. stir on Twitter. And Mr. Quincy Jones himself will be calling. <laughs> Inspiring uh, a lot of discussion, Behem, I'm sure. A lot of discussion. Mm-hmm. So those are my controversial Rolling Stone top 500. Uh, and uh, I also did not play the Rolling Stone top 500 theme music. We're reworking that. Uh, we've uh, brought in Brendan O'Brien uh, to help with some of the mixes. So look for that next week. All right. Also, with your uh, favorite 500, also have some really good jazz kind of themes, which will be an interesting kind of back. We'll, we'll talk about that off air. Okay. A meeting, <laughs> just me, you, and Morg. I have a lot of Morg. There's no need for that. He's... Yeah, there is. Uh, there's definitely a need for Morg in that meeting. This is scary. <laughs> well, I'll play my accordion solo for him. He'll fall in love. Morg loves the accordion. Anyways, anyway, <laughs> my 500 favorite albums. Here we go. 315. Oh, fantastic. AL Green's Greatest Hits, which we talked about before because I'm Rolling Stones top 500, number 456, actually. Mm-hmm. This came out in 1975. I'm so tired of being alone. I'm so tired of on my own. Won't you help me, girl, just as soon as you can? I remember seeing this. I was in the bathroom at O'Hare, and I was belting this out by myself. <laughs> Somebody walked in. Mm-hmm. It's like, El Green, right? Right? <laughs> but you can't go wrong here. Tired of being alone. Call me. Come back Classic. home. Classic. I'm still in love with you. Let's stay together. Classic. Uh, when it came out, it hit number 17 on the charts. And an A from Bobby Criscow's record guide. And Pitchfork, another notorious uh, tough sell, 9.7 out of 10. This album, in my opinion, is better than any of the five albums I just talked about in Rolling Stone. So top 500. I mean, I, I don't know anyone who doesn't like Al Green. When you say, oh, Al Green, you like, and in fact, everyone's like, love him. He's the best. Yeah. So good. I think with him, it's just, you just wish there was more, more stuff. Yeah. More, more, I mean, more of this because he had some good albums and then he just, then he went to gospel and what if he would have just done more of this like R&B kind of thing? I think he'd be, not that he's not, I mean, people know what he is, but he'd be even like a legend, I think. Yeah, he's kind of. He went where he wanted to go, so. Yeah, he still is pretty, you know, comparatively under the radar, for sure. Yeah. Compared to people in his, you know, in his uh, um, contemporary, you know, his peers. Okay, so that's 315. 314 is an introduction to oh please this this didn't come out that long ago all jams five years ago and but everything on here is good in the morning don't say you love me 
Does <laughs> I'll only kick you out of the door. That's not nice. <laughs> Stay with me. Three button hand me down. Cindy, incidentally, Miss Judy's Farm. A cover of Maybe I'm Amazed. It's only 10 songs, but every song's good. Yeah. Our friend Jack Siren, who does his own podcast on manga, he is a giant Faces fan, so he'll be very happy that I put this on here. <laughs> it's a great. I when I did my Rod Stewart bracket, he's all like, you better put Faces in there. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, he gave me a list. I'm like, I know who the Faces are. <laughs> he's like, all these songs need to be good. <laughs> there, there are people who thought they were, they were better than the Rolling Stones while they were out. They're good. They're good. Oh. Again, but it's another thing. They just didn't do enough. Right. Right. And I think they kind of were their own worst enemy sometime because they certainly lived the rock and roll uh, lifestyle for sure. Yeah. So that's essentially, I know I'm losing you is on there, which is a great song. Damn. But it's, it's not on there, but everything else is. The essentials are on there for the most part. Right. Number 313, Bill Withers, live at Carnegie Hall. Awesome. This came out in 1973. I can't write left-handed. Would you please write a letter? Write a letter to my mother. Tell her to tell. Tell her to tell. Tell her to tell my family lawyer. Try to get a deferment for my younger brother. Great lyrics. Yeah, just a great anti-war song. And that's because I have I have a Bill Withers greatest hits coming on later in the countdown. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I have to put this on there. Because yeah. it was different enough. It's live. Yep. And I can't write left-handed isn't on there. And that's a great song. I remember when I got this, I was like, holy, what is this song? Right. And it's got, you know, it's got Use Me, Ain't No Sunshine, Lean On Me, Grandma's Hands. And he's he's really engaged with the audience. You can tell Bill Withers at the top of his game in this one. Got a lot of, got a lot of praise from critics. And <laughs> our good friend wrote, he has a crack comment. He needs no introduction. He is he just not a good we all know who we're talking about. <laughs> he has a crack combo, and this functions as Bill Withers' legacy. It's great, though. I love it. I love it. Uh, I like how you're constantly running to Bob Criscow just to. <laughs> uh, I love that. It's that deal he has with Wikipedia to keep him <laughs> in the public consciousness. Amazing. Uh, it's hilarious. I laugh every time I see him come up. Here's like a something, question. Something's going on here. How oh. much is he giving Wikipedia a month? He, Bob Criscow lives in a trailer because he's given all of his money to uh, he's given all of his money to Wikipedia. <laughs> I have a question. Quote me on everything. I have a question for you. If you had to pick it, who would you pick? Bill Withers or Al Green? That's tough. That is tough. I would say slightly Bill Withers, just because 
I love Ain't No Sunshine and Lean On Me so much. Mm-hmm. I feel like those songs have been with me forever. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it's a tough pick. And I think his lyrics are also a little more personal and, you know, more powerful. I, you know, Al Green, not Al Green's not especially known for his like lyrics. Yeah. More feel, whereas Bill Withers, you're like, whoa, he's got, he's always got a message in his songs. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And Bill Withers, I'm trying to see where his other one's coming up. But yeah, that'll come up later. I love them. My next one, I <laughs> continuing my journey to educate my children. Yes. It, oh, this is a great album. It is really, I forgot how great it is. It's a great album. And that yeah, album. that is the fun of doing this. And so we're the, talking about Back to Black. This is the number 312 on my list. Amy Winehouse. Yep. Came out in 2006. Yep. For you, I was a flame. Love is a losing game. Five story fire as you came. Love is a losing game. That, of course, is love is a losing game. You also have <laughs> rehab. You know I'm no good. Back in black, the title cut. Tears drying their own. It's got great reviews. Uh, what I read today. They were like, she kind of opened the goal, the door for Adele. Very much so. And I think they were classmates at whatever art London. Oh, they were? Art huh. school. I, I know they were contemporaries. Yeah. Won a best, best pop vocal album Grammy. Sold 16 million. You'll be listening to this soon because it's, I think it's number 33 in Rolling Stones list. Fantastic record. And you you won't like this quote. She deserted jazz on this album. Ooh, who said this? Bobby, uh, Bobby Crickdown? <laughs> no, not him. Some, <laughs> somebody else who's paying off Wikipedia. Some jag off. <laughs> <laughs> and it hit number two on the U.S. charts. It was number 24 for the year in 2007, number 43 in 2008, double platinum. And uh, I, I put Rehab comes on. Henry's like, this is a really good song. So, thumbs up from Henry Foote for Rehab. Automatically, that shoots up another 10 notches. Yeah. I feel like when I listen to that record, it's such a throwback. Just like, it's like listening to an album like from the 60s, like one of those classic kind of like girl group yeah. or Motown kind of. Yeah. Feel- but I think the big difference is that her voice sounds very, it's, it's really, I mean, it's great. It's on all the notes, but it's, there's something that's like, I don't know. It's like dangerous about it kind of, or, and I don't know whether that's because I knew of, by the way, have you ever watched that documentary on, uh, on her? Yeah, I think it did. I think it did. It's, it's just sad. It's the worst, sad. worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, there's always going to be some sadness listening to this because you're like, she could have done so much more. I feel like, yeah. And and I felt like it kind of was like a preview of just the the troubles that lay ahead of her because just didn't seem like she, you know, was equipped to handle it. 
No, I don't think so. And, but I, again, I forgot how good it was. Yeah. And I know I put it on here because I'm like, I listen to this one a lot. Real tragedy. Probably like the first two or three years after it came out still. Terrific. And, you know, you just, you move, you listen to other stuff and you forget. And then you're like, oh yeah, I love this album. Yeah. And you play it and you're like, oh yeah, I really love this album. It was, it was just so sad what happened to her. So sad. Yeah. So that'll be back in my rotation for sure. I I almost could go back and re-rate everything now. Yeah. <laughs> listen to them all again. Yeah. Amy would be up higher. Agreed. And my last one for the day, number 311, Ramones Mania. Yes. Damn right. This came out in 1988. I got this super cheap somewhere. I don't know if I got it at a library sale or something, but it was like a dollar. It's got 30 songs. <laughs> <laughs> DDT did a job on me. Now I am a real sickie. <laughs> Guess I'll have to break the news. Then I got no mind to lose. All the girls are in love with me. I'm a teenage lobotomy. <laughs> uh, they don't write them like that anymore. That's a great <laughs> And then I was also playing this in the car today. Because me and the kids were going all over the place. Oh, man. And Beat, beat on the Brat comes on. And Darby's like, what are these lyrics? <laughs> Dad, I knew Dad had lost his mind. Yeah. Like, that's what's going to happen to you. If you ever cross my rental authority. And you know, do, you, do you remember Rock and Roll Radio? Sheen is a punk rocker, which might be my favorite. Yeah. KKK took my baby away. <laughs> and they were, it's it's like they're, they're almost still kind of underground. I mean, pe people know, like big music fans like me and you know them. But something like this, it, it ended up being a gold record. Yeah. But you think, all right, it's the Ramones. should be, but I don't think they're, the casual person doesn't know too many Ramones songs. No, they probably just know them best for like, hey, ho, let's go. And because that's everywhere. And maybe the first album and nothing more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I want to be sedated. It's kind of hanging around. Oh, yeah. And I want the consciousness. But the rest of these songs, probably not. But it's great stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel also feel like with the Ramones, I mean, and they were nothing more than what they claimed to be. I mean, they were just they knew a couple chords and they played it really loud and really fast. And uh, so I don't want to say like you heard one Ramones album, you've heard them all, but like an album like this probably is all the Ramones you might really need. I think so. And uh, what going up on what you just said too, when I was listening today, it feels like, it doesn't feel like a greatest hits album. It feels like a coherent album almost. Yeah. Just because of the lyrics and like what you said, they're not real musically complex, but it really works. Really works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I'll always like the Ramones for sure. All right. And that's it. Oh man. A workmanlike recap episode. You're very efficient today. We really are operating with, um, except for the, 
digressions on your graduation attendance. <laughs> Pretty. The, public, the public wants to know where I'm going to be. So Pretty crisp. It is crisp. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening to our recap episode. Uh, please um, subscribe to us. We're available wherever fine podcasts are found. Just Google Jag Bags Podcast. Up, we'll, up we pop. Just hit that subscribe button and you will get hilarity and expertise. Expertise. Delivered to your device twice a week. And we are, as an added bonus, on social media. So we are influencing the young and old alike with our amazing presence. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. So check us out there. Drop us a line. Maybe you uh, are like, hey, Beave, I don't like the Maltese Falcon at all. Uh, I prefer double indemnity. So why don't or you? Or you're like, hey, Len, you're so precise. And that's the end of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, for either of those. We'll do maybe we'll do a podcast on lens precision. <laughs> Talk at the precision of Len or on uh, a great film, uh, great noir films. But anyway, drop us a suggestion. If we pick it up, you will get a Jag Bags t shirt. Um, and that is a soon to be collector's item, which will be auctioned off for millions of dollars long after Len and I have moved on to uh, beyond this mortal coil. So uh, on that cheery note, we want to thank you very much for listening. <laughs> when you're ready to listen, put some little jag bags in your ear.